Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Manamana. Hey, I, I thought I was going to do it and then you were going to do it. Okay. <laughs> we're starting. Manamana. 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 Okay, now that song is going to be stuck in your head for four days. Like us. Okay? I cannot get it out of my head. <laughs> what was the other song that I had in my head? I don't know. It was something. Oh, avocados from Mexico. No, avocados from Mexico. Yeah, well, both of those are like stuck in my head. Okay, ready? Avocados from Mexico. I literally was like driving and I was like, avocados from Mexico. <laughs> okay, ready? A series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket. The Miserable Mill. And it is chapter. Well, book the fourth chapter. Chapter 6. Yeah, good job. I thought it was 12 or 13. That's all right. Okay, chapter 6. I tell you, you have nothing to worry about, said Phil, as Violet and Sunny picked up their casserole. It was dinner time, but Klaus had still not returned from the Dr. Orwell's, from Dr. Orwell's, and the young Baudelaire women were worried sick. After work, while walking across the... Because they're both girls. Yeah. Yeah. After, walk, after work, while walking across the dirty courtyard with their fellow employees, Sunny and Violet had peered worriedly at the wooden gate that led out to Paltryville and were dismayed to see no sign of Klaus. When they arrived at the dormitory, Violet and Sunny looked out the window and watched for him, and they were so anxious that it took them several minutes to realize that the window was not a real one, but drawn back, but one drawn on the blank wall with a ballpoint pen. When they went out and sat on the doorstep looking out the empty courtyard until Phil called them up to supper, and now it was getting... Oh, it feels like their dad. I know. Now it was getting onward towards bedtime, and not only had their brother still not returned, but Phil was insisting that they had nothing to worry about. I think we do, Phil, and I think we do have something to worry about. Klaus has been gone all afternoon, and Sonny and I are worried that something might have happened to him. Something awful. Becker, Sonny agreed. I know that doctors can seem scary to young children, Phil said, but doctors are your friends, and they can't hurt you. Violet looked at Phil and saw their conversation would go nowhere. You're right, she said, entirely, even though he was not quite wrong. As anyone who's ever been to a doctor knows that doctors are not necessarily your friends and more than ma- more than mail delivers are are your friends or butchers are your friends or refrigerator repair people are your friends. A doctor is a man or woman whose job is to make you feel better and that's all. And if you feel like you had a shot to know that statement doctors can't hurt you is simply absurd. Violet and Sunny, of course, were worried that Dr. Orwell would have some connection with Count Olaf. Not that their brother would get a shot, but it was useless to try to explain such a thing to an optimist. 
So they merely picked up their casserole and waited for their brother until it was time for bed. Dr. Orwell must have fallen behind in his appointments, Phil said, as Violet and Sonny tucked themselves into the bottom bunk. His waiting room must be absolutely full. Suski, Sonny said sadly, which meant something along the lines of, I hope so, Phil. Phil smiled at the two Baudelaire's and turned out the lights in the dormitory. In the, in the dormitory, the employees whispered to each other for a few minutes, and then they were quiet. Before too long, Violet and Sunny were surrounded by the sound of snores. The children did not sleep, of course, but they stared into the dark room with a growing feeling of dismay. Sunny made a squeaky noise. A sad noise, something like the closing of a door, and Violet took her sister's fingernail, which were sore from tying knots all day long, and blew on them gently. But even as the Baudelaire's fingers felt better, the Baudelaire sisters did not. They lied together on the bunk and tried to imagine where Klaus could be and what was happening, and what was happening to him. But one of the worst things about Count Olaf is that his evil ways are so despicable that it is impossible to imagine what would be up his sleeve next. Count Olaf had done so many horrible deeds, and all to get his hands on the Baudelaire fortune, that Violet and Sunny could scarcely bear to think what might be happening to their brother. The evening grew later and later, and the two siblings began to imagine more and more terrible things that could be happening to Klaus while they lay helplessly in their dormitory. Stenamachu, Sunny whispered finally to Mama, Violet. It sounds like phenomena. Yes, phenomena. They had to go and look for him. The expression quiet as mice is a puzzling one because mice are often very noisy. So people who are being quiet as mice stay, in fact, to be squeaky and scrambling around. The expression quiet as memes is more appropriate because memes are people who perform theatrical routines without making a sound. Memes are annoying and embarrassing, but they are much quieter than mice. And quiet memes are more proper a way to describe how Violet and Sunny got up from their bunk and tiptoed across the dormitory and walked out in the night. There was a full moon that night, and the children gazed for a moment. Come on, Paige. Gazed for a moment into the courtyard. The moonlight made the dirt floor look as strange and as eerie as the surface of the moon. Violet picked up Sunny, and the two of them crossed the courtyard towards the heavy wooden gate leading outside of the lumber mill. The only sound was the soft shuffling of Violet's feet. The orphans could not remember why they had been been in a place that felt so quiet and still, which is why the sudden creaking sound made them jump in surprise. The creaking sound was as noisy as mice, and it seemed to be coming from straight ahead. Violet and Sunny stared out into the gloom, and with another creak of a wooden another creak the wooden gate swung open and revealed a short figure of a person walking slowly towards them. Klaus, Sunny said, for one of the regular words she had used was the name of her brother. And to her relief, Violet saw that it was indeed Klaus who was walking towards them. He had a new pair of glasses and looked like he looked just like the old ones, except they were so new that they shone in the moonlight. He gave his sisters a dazed and distant smile as if they were people he did not know so well. Klaus, we were worried about you, Violet said, hugging her brother as he as 
He reached for them. You were gone for so long. Whatever happened to you? I don't know, Klaus said, so quietly that his sisters had to lean forward to hear him. I can't remember. Did you see Count Olaf? Violet asked. Was Dr. Orwell working with him? Did they ask you anything? I don't know. Klaus said, shaking his head. I remember breaking my glasses, and I remember Charles walking me to that to the eye-shaped building, but I don't remember anything else. I scarcely remember where I am right now. Klaus, Violet said firmly, you were at Lucky Smills Lumber Mill in Paltryville. Surely you remember that. Klaus did not answer. He merely looked at his sister with wide, wide eyes, as if they were an interesting aquarium or a parade. Klaus, Violet asked, I said you are at the lumber, at the Lucky Smells Lumber Mill. Klaus still did not answer. He must be very tired, Violet said to Sunny. Leibu said Sunny doubtedly. You'd better get some rest, Klaus, Violet said. Follow me. At last, Klaus spoke. Yes, sir, he said quietly. Sir, Violet repeated. I'm not sir, I'm your sister. But Klaus was silent once more, and Violet gave up, still carrying Sunny as she walked back towards the dormitory, and Klaus shuffled behind her. The moon shone on his new glasses, and his steps made a little cloud of dirt, but he didn't say a word. Quiet as memes, the Baudelaire's walked back to the dormitory and tiptoed to their bunk bed. But when they when they reached it, Klaus merely stood nearby and stared at his two siblings as if he had forgotten how to get into bed. Lie down, Klaus, Violet said gently. Yes, sir, Klaus replied and lie down at the bottom bunk, staring at his sisters. Violet sat on the edge of the bed and removed Klaus's shoes, which he had forgotten to take off, but it seemed he did not even notice. When Klaus... We'll discuss things in the morning, Violet whispered. In the meantime, Klaus, try and get some sleep. Yes, sir, Klaus said, and immediately shut his eyes. In a second, he was fast asleep. Violet and Sunny watched the way his mouth quivered, just as it had when he was asleep, ever since he was a tiny baby. It was a relief to have Klaus back with them, of course, but the Baudelaire sister did not feel relieved, not one bit. They had never seen their brother act so strangely. For the rest of the night, Violet and Sunny huddled together at the top bunk, peering down and watching Klaus sleep. No matter how much they looked at him, it still felt like their brother had not returned. Do you remember this part? Yeah? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to cheat and turn this off and Peyton's going to give me some some sneaky inside thoughts. Okay, bye.